what's going on, everybody? Like, thank you all for tuning into the show. Got my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we're coming your way for the 37th edition of the Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. We've got a lot that we have to cover today, but first things first, we're about to get into the UFC, uh, particularly the pay per view that they had last week uh, with UFC 203. First thing we're about to talk about is CM Punk. Um, what did you think about his overall performance in that fight? With Mickey Gall, darn There wasn't an overall performance. <laughs> he he didn't land the punch. I I don't think he even threw a punch. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it, it went about as expected. He he showed up to the cage and swiftly got beat up. Uh, I mean it. I mean, it was probably the quickest. I mean, it was painful for him, probably, but the quickest 500K he's made in his life. Uh, but, I mean, it, it showed what we talked about last week. It was somebody that should not have been in a UFC cage uh, against Mickey Gall, who's still basically a prospect himself. And he got immediately taken down, beat up, and then choked out. Yeah, I was surprised uh, that he charged in there to Mickey Gall like that. I particularly thought I would, he, I would have seen from him was maybe like sticking and move, moving a little bit, because uh, at least he would have a, uh, you know, like a puncher chance, as everybody says. Uh, but, you know, to just charge in there like that against a guy that's been in MMA for a long time, uh, been busting his tail off, uh, has not been, <clears throat> been having way more experience than CM Punk has. Uh, he could just take him down just like that, but you know, but yeah, the charge in like CM Punk did, uh, I was very surprised like that. I thought he'd probably just stick and move or do something to try to land a punch on him, but that didn't happen. So, but you know, one thing I do have to say about the guys, you know, he, he said he enjoyed himself, you know, regardless of how it looked to us, you know, he did say that, uh, he was happy doing that, you know, for some reason. So if, he wants to continue to put in the work. Uh, you know, I heard Dana White say that he wants him to probably fight outside of the UFC for his next fight if he wants to get it in. But if it's something he's truly passionate about, uh, you know, just go ahead and put in the work, man. And we'll see you down the road, I guess. Well, I mean, I guess we'll see if he's really passionate about it because, you know, the next fight he's not going to get what he made off of this one. Because I don't think people are going to be lining up to pay to see him get waxed again like that. If he goes to a lower car, he's not he's not getting a five hundred thousand dollar purse. Yeah, that was some quick cash for him, man. But yeah, did yeah. you see that cauliflower ear that immediately swole up on him? Oh no, I didn't really. He got that. Wow. Like, oh yeah, like immediately it just. Yeah, so immediate ear infection from getting beat up. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I mean, it's not really <laughs> much else to say, but, you know, but, yeah, CM Punk, man, he, he got worked. So let's just see how he'll bounce back uh, from that, you know, see if he's really, truly passionate about the sport. We'll see. Yeah. Up next, uh, we got Verdum versus Brown. Uh, what were your thoughts on that overall fight? The weirdest fight I've ever seen in my life. Uh, we had the, we had Travis Brown trying to call a timeout in the first round because he hurt his hand, like, and, and the ref allowing it basically. 
apparently Verdun threw a overhand right and dislocated Travis Brown's index finger and like he goes to the ref asking for it to be stopped. Verdun did what he was supposed to do. He went after him and tried to hit him, but then ref pulls him off and gives him a couple minutes to reset his hand. So that was odd. Then you have Verdun throwing some weird shots. He did like this flipping crescent kick like two or three times for the fights over, uh, which Verdun won easily. Yeah. Uh, he controlled the whole time, but then he al- almost gets into a fight with Travis Brown's boxing coach. Now, just uh, real quick, do you think uh, Verdun should be punished in any way um, for kicking uh, his coach, uh, Brown's coach, at the end of the fight? I mean, I guess I would have to know, like, what all happened. I mean, of course, Verdun probably never felt like he was going to be injured by uh, the boxing coach or whatever, uh, which I think is the same dude that coaches Ronda Rousey, Edmund, uh, I forget his last name, but for the, mo- for the most part, everything I read about him is he's a giant tool for doom. Uh, but I guess I would have to know more about what caused it. I mean, there should be some punishment just because, I mean, especially for a, a sport that's based on trying to bash somebody's face in, you can't be trying to fight coaches. Yeah, you know, that's what I was going to say. Uh, you know, I think there should be some form. Uh, these guys are just absolutely talented when it comes to fighting and stuff like that. You know, I when they get in the ring and, you know, the bell ring, hitting at somebody, especially somebody get, uh hit off guard or something like that, that could really mess them up. Uh, so, you know, I just think there should be some type of punishment for it. Uh, I just think that it was a little uncalled for. Um, but then again, you know, you said that you think the guy, uh, from what you wear from him, he's a toolbox. Maybe he said something that was uh, inappropriate that pissed Verdum off. But, you know, still, you know, really occur. So, Yeah, and, I mean, the last thing the UFC needs is another uh, strike force situation. I don't know if you remember it, but uh, it was uh, it was Matthew Mayhem Miller versus, I think, Nate Diaz, and it ended with both Diaz brothers and uh, jumping them in the middle of the ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't think they need – they don't need that kind of news. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, good fight. Uh, it was back and forth. Uh, we both had picked Overeem, and it looked like we were going to be right early. Uh, Overeem was trying to pick his spots. He was trying to get in and out, keep distance, and then caught Miocic early with a nice straight right that dropped him. Went for a choke, but it didn't work out. Uh, Miocic got out. Got a pieced him up and knocked him out. Uh, pretty, I mean, somebody was going to go down. We said that and yeah. somebody did. Uh, so, but that one was also very weird at the end, probably because both people got concussed. I mean, you had Overeem saying he thought Miochik tapped and they showed the video. There was no tap. Yeah. And then Miochik didn't know what, what, uh, what knocked him down? He thought he got kicked. Oh wow! Apparently yeah, I didn't hear so. that part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, between those two, Joe Rogan went to Twitter and was like, "To the UFC brass, please do not have me interview anybody else that's been knocked out." <laughs> <laughs> wow, but yeah, you know, like I said, we both called it. Somebody was going to get 
KO. Both of those guys are, they got some hands on them. So, you know, they got dynamite in their hands, so they can easily knock a guy out. Just one thing I was uh, kind of caught off guard a little bit, too, was just Overeem, how he was kind of um, running a little bit in a fight. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, with him, you know, I can understand you respecting a guy's hands, you know, may not want to charge in or anything like that, but Overeem, he has some hands on him, too. You know, he's knocked guys out before, too. So I was a little caught off guard with the um, running, you know. But he had a chance to finish the fight. You know, he went up in there. He knocked the Miocic down, and then he tried to choke him out. But it didn't work. So I just hope. You know, I want to see my boy get a belt, man. I just hope this isn't the last <laughs> time. <laughs> I just hope this isn't the last time like, he gets that chance, man. I want to see Overeem with that belt, so. Well, I don't think it'll be the UFC one, buddy. <laughs> For sure. Now, who do you think uh, will end up fighting Miocic next? Uh, just one little, you know, thought just to add to this real quick. Um, both uh, Cain Velasquez and Verdun, uh, they both fought Brown as their uh, last opponent. So Cain Velasquez, he was able to finish the fight against Brown while Verdun wasn't able to uh, finish. He did uh, dominate him in the ring uh, in great fashion. Uh, but just, you know, looking at those two, their two performances against Brown, would you give Kane the um, head over for Doom, or would you still give it to Verdum since he beat Kane, uh, Velasquez, uh, a couple, um, about a year ago, I would say. How would you... Well, yeah, I mean, if you just go off the eye test versus similar opponent, you have to go with Kane. Uh, he, he looked basically flawless against Travis Brown. Uh, it was interesting, too. Both, you know, Kane, I don't know if Brown has, like, if they saw, like, a weakness in kicks or what, but, yeah, Kane threw some kicks at uh, Brown in that fight, and then you got um, for Doom, he was throwing crazy kicks against him, too. So it's kind of crazy, but. Yeah, I mean, I felt like Verdum was just showing pure disrespect. Like, no street I, fighter moves out, man. Yeah, it's like I, that's, that's how little I think of your boxing that I'm just going <laughs> to do whatever I want to you. Yeah. So, so I mean, I don't know how much of that plays into it. I would be fine if they did a little title eliminator and gave them that rematch. But if I'm just going based off of recent performances, I, I want to see Verdum and, uh, and Kane go at it. Yeah, I would like to see uh, those two go at it again. Uh, especially, you know, with Kane, he had the injury and all that. You know, he was out of the ring for quite a while, and then he had to go fight in Mexico. Crazy altitude. Uh, that was a little bit too much for him to come out there and handle with a guy on a cl- class like for, for Doom. So and I think it would be a great rematch to see those two uh, duke it out again. Then a fighter, uh, whoever gets it wins it gets a chance to fight Miyoshi. So Yeah. I would not if you, if you gotta pick one though, I think you go with Kane off of the common opponent. If if one of them gets the title shot next, I would go with Kane. Yeah. I can agree with that definitely. Now, any other thoughts on the UFC? Just a really weird card. That's about the best <laughs> I can say about it. Yeah, it's fight. You, you missed out on a good one, man. But up next, we're about to get into the NCAA, uh, college football. Just what are you guys' thoughts on the rankings this week? 
since uh, this is a little more my speed, I feel a little more compelled to say something here rather than some weird UFC octagon fighting. Um, but yeah, I think the, I don't really know if it's a surprise, but I think the story is Clemson falling from two to five. Um, you know, they honestly just haven't looked up to be the dominant team that everybody thought they were going to be so far through two weeks. And the Auburn game, I'll give them a pass at Auburn, SEC territory. Uh, Auburn pumped for that game and they played like it. But when they were, you know, a home game against Troy, you know, you, you should be winning that game by 35 plus. Like it's, it's just how it is. Yeah. Um, and they didn't dominate the game at all. They kind of got away with one, if you ask me. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson, I don't necessarily understand what he's really thinking. He's, you know, talking about being solely a pocket passer, uh, that he wants to make the throws instead of keep plays alive with his feet and get first downs. It, it seems really odd for him to now make a decision like that when he was so dominant a year ago. I mean, in the national championship game, keeping plays alive with his feet is really what kind of saved Clemson, really kept them in the game at times. So, you know, for him to not be playing well, a lot of people thought he was kind of a shoo-in for the Heisman this year. Um, you know, just kind of really odd. But I, I think that's the story this week with the rankings. Um, I mean, I'm okay with them falling because they haven't looked as good as some of the other teams. Um, well, I guess you could say the two teams that moved past them, Ohio State and Michigan, who are winning games by 30-plus. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. It's interesting seeing the movement that's happened. Uh, I guess Clemson just doesn't like playing teams from Alabama. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but yeah, they, they haven't shown to be, uh, a team coming off of a national championship game. Uh, and <clears throat> Sean Watson's not looking like a Heisman caliber player. Uh, so they, they still have time to pick it up. They aren't like out of it. Still in the top five in both polls. They dropped a three in the coaches, dropped a five in the AP. So still plenty of season left, and they haven't lost. They just haven't looked mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, outside of that, I don't think there's anything else that's too crazy uh, that's happening. I mean, still some teams that were getting a lot of love in the offseason haven't really shown what they are are being sold as like we spoke of Clemson earlier, Tennessee as well. Uh, they, they did win their game against Virginia tech, but uh, their, their passing game was pretty blah. I think they had 78 passing yards and they won that game, which is one of supposed to be one of the strengths for this team. So yeah. that's another team that's going to have to pull it together and uh, show that, people were right to keep so much praise on. Now, is there uh, any team that you guys feel is uh, has too high of a ranking right now still? or I, I think through the first couple of weeks, I feel like it 
now now that we have a small sample size of what teams are this year, I kind of like where everybody's at. Um, I, I do think you look at a team like you know a Notre Dame or potentially an Ole Miss who suffered a week one loss to a good team. Um, you know, I guess you could say the Notre Dame loss was not necessarily to a good team at the time because Texas was unranked. But, you know, they, they just received a week one loss and fell for it. Um, LSU, same thing. They can still prove to be really good top 10 caliber teams. It's just the idea that they lost week one and paid the price. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, whether I think there's some teams that are either too high or too low, I think it's just the idea that uh, when you have big time matchups week one, somebody has to lose and you end up paying the price for it. So if anything, I think there's some teams that are ranked too low, but it's understandable because they already have a loss. Oklahoma being another one of those teams. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to actually go the opposite way. I'm still not sure about okay. Wisconsin being nine in the AP 12 and the coaches and, and Texas at 11. Mm-hmm. In the AP, uh, still not sure about putting them up like that because LSU they did not look very good. Uh, I mean, in Wisconsin they played well enough to win, but I don't think they're lighting up any top ten team offensively either. So I'm still unsure about them being that high until they play some other higher caliber teams and. Same with Texas. I want to see them get into some conference play before I say the people were right and jumping them that high up the polls after being basically unranked. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, that, that is one thing I had the discussion with to a lot of people is are they being basically prematurely hyped because they had one good win? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we, we see that a lot. Um, and and not not just this year. I think we've seen it in the past. Even if a team's ranked like twenty second and they pull off that early upset, we ran, we magically see them at second. It, it, it's something that happens. But the the good thing about the rankings is they always play themselves out, and they always show you who you really are. Teams will pass yeah. you. You uh, you'll pass other teams. It's just it's just a test of time. That, that's all it really is. Yeah, it'll shape up as the season goes. It's just um, I'm still a little skeptical on those teams, just because mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not sure the teams that they beat should have been ranked where they were. Uh, I mean, LSU, okay. like I said, with no passing game, they should mm-hmm. have been a top five team. And Notre Dame, Notre Dame has lost pretty much their whole secondary now, so I'm not mm-hmm. really sure how legit they are. We'll we'll see that soon. Mm-hmm. Now, we kind of touched on it a little bit, um, but do you guys think that Clemson should be concerned at all? Uh, and so how much, just based on their play, uh, the first two weeks into the season? I think they have to be concerned to a degree. I mean, yes, a win is a win, and it. I know that's kind of a rough saying because – even though you win, you can still not feel great about it. So, I mean, you know, squeaking past Troy should not be tolerated by anybody on that team. Uh, 
you know, so I, I think if I had to put up a panic meter for them, it would still be fairly low. It's only been two weeks, but their their top games in the season are still ahead of them. Uh, you know, so they, they still have time to prepare and figure out who they are. So if I had to put a panic meter on them, I'd only put them at about a, about a four. Okay. Yeah, I'm about the same. Uh, I'm not ready to hit that button yet. They still have a, a game or two to get ready. But I mean, if they look like this against South Carolina State, Georgia Tech, uh, then definitely going to be some worries because I mean they got Louisville coming up in three weeks. That's gonna that's what they're going to yeah they're going to have to be Clemson to beat them. Yeah, yeah, and and I think we all can agree that Clemson's going to move forward as Deshaun Watson moves forward. Uh, if he's not playing to the caliber of a Heisman candidate, at least that that team's not going to fare too well. But they they need him to step up. Uh, they need they need that def that defense to step up as well. In reality, everybody on that team needs to step up. But I still believe it just starts and ends with Deshaun Watson. All righty. Now up next. We're about to get into uh, Alabama. Uh, how do you got are they really above everyone else in the NCAA? I mean, I think they're clearly the number one team in America right now. Uh, they didn't have the best of games last week, uh, especially. I mean, you would think they played terrible if you look at Nick Saban storming up down the sidelines, yelling at Lane Cliff. But I mean, they did win by twenty-eight. Uh, Alabama's not common to just keep the foot on the, the pedal on the gas, the foot on the, the pedal <laughs> and gas against teams <laughs> like that. I think they, I think USC was a, a different issue just because of the Lane Kiffin ties, but, uh, this was more of what a D2 squad or a lower rated squad where they do what they need to do to win. They, they did kind of go into cruise mode a little late, late in the game. And I think that set coach Saban off a bit, but I, I think, I don't think there's anybody that's touching them right now. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I would agree. I think they are the clear cut number one. Now. Um, I think that their defense is going to be, what they kind of lean on all season long, the defense is stout. Now I'm not saying the offense is poor or the offense won't win them a game, but, but I think if, if you just look at Alabama over the last bunch of years, yes, their quarterback always turns it on at some key point in the season. Uh, they always find a solid running back that ends up real short, but you know, I, I just think the defense is kind of the identity of Alabama. They always have studs on defense. They always seem to keep other really good offenses off the field. So I mean, I, I think that defense being or looking this good this early um, is definitely a positive and reason we think they're so much better than everybody else. It's because they don't give up points. Now, what game excites you guys the most for this week? I'm going to go with Florida State and Louisville. I think uh, Louisville's quarterback has been nothing short of amazing to watch. Um, I think that 
uh, Florida State still kind of finding who they are a little bit. Uh, their quarterback, Francois, you know, played played pretty good for the first few weeks. Uh, but I think uh, Louisville has potential to pull off a big upset here. Uh, like I said, their quarterback's been carrying him with his arm and his legs. Uh, I think he re- he's recorded some, like, seven or eight touchdowns through two weeks or something like that. I, I don't know. But people are already talking about him as a Heisman candidate early season. But, uh, you know, he's definitely been carrying Louisville. So I, I'd like to see how he does on a really big stage like this one. Yeah, for me, I mean, I, my homer one, I, I definitely looking forward to Michigan State and Notre Dame. I think this is going to be where we see uh, if both of those teams are are still can be in the hunt this year. Uh, we see mm-hmm. if if Notre Dame can make up for that week one loss to Texas, uh, if they've righted the ship, uh, or if all the losses in their secondary are just going to be too much to deal with. And for Michigan State, we get to see if they uh, have cleaned up all the mistakes from their game two weeks ago they had a bye week to prepare uh we get to see how tyler o'connor does against a uh big name d1 squad and uh we get to see what the future is going to look like for both of these teams uh but on the other side i'm also looking forward to oklahoma and ohio state um some of the similar reasons uh oklahoma gets a chance for redemption uh, for losing to Houston, get themselves back in the hunt for trying to get to that college football playoff. And Ohio State's been steamrolling everybody. This is their first probably real test. Want to see how they look against the real team? Yeah, you, you know, I would say for Notre Dame and Oklahoma, this it well definitely for Notre Dame. This is playoff or bust this week for them. Oh, yeah. uh, they they win their live, they lose, they're done. You you can't be an independent team with two losses and think you're going to get in. That that's just not going to happen. If Notre Dame wants to get in, their best chance is running the table. Um, I think they would have to go undefeated, basically one lo- one loss. And I think they could get in with one loss only because it was a week one loss. If they run the table the rest of the way, I, I would pick them get in, but. Um, for Oklahoma, I don't think they could have two losses, even be a conference champion. Um, I, I think it would just be really hard. Some they they would need to rely on other teams to lose in order for them to get in at that point. Um, but I also think it's just as big of a game for Michigan State and Ohio State. Like you said, Darnell, trying to you know stay undefeated. Both of those teams. Uh, really build some big momentum getting ready for conference play to start. Uh, I think this is a great resume builder for whoever wins out of those four teams. All righty. Uh, for me, I would just make sure you didn't have anything to say, Darnell, right? No, I'm good. Okay. Uh, just for me, uh, I'm interested in checking out uh Florida State and Louisville game. Um, I really like Louisville's quarterback. That guy has a heck of an arm on him. Uh, this is going to be a big stage for him because the first two games he's played against the Orangemen and he's played against Charlotte. 
Uh, he really wants to bring his A game. I really want to see what uh, type of passing he can do against a team like Florida State. Uh, it's going to be a big stage for him. So if he can go out there and start firing against that, uh, just the uh, secondary of the Florida State Seminoles, he can really have a good game, and that's going to really give them a great chance of winning. So that's uh, one I'm going to see. One that you guys didn't bring up is Alabama and Ole Miss, just because I want to see what Chad Kelly uh, we're going to see uh, mm. for Ole Miss. If he, you know, if he can go out there and, you know, be the good Shaq Kelly, get that offense running, they will have a chance. But if he doesn't, if he plays like he did in the uh, second half against, um, my goodness, uh, Florida, State, Florida State, yeah, then they don't have any shot at all. So if they want to have, if, if Ole Miss wants to pull a upset on Alabama like they did last year, Kelly's really going to have to bring his A game. So. Those are the two games for me, but particularly I'm going to have to go with uh, Florida State and the Louisville. Yeah, and, and once again, Ole Miss being another team where one more loss can tank their season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Like you said, it depends on do we get swag Kelly or bad Kelly. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I, I find it kind of interesting. I feel like this is the first time, well, definitely since the playoffs started, that I feel like it's week three and we're already talking about some big time teams missing out. Yeah. Must and, and, games in week three. And, yeah. And, and I think that just having that monster week one where when you win, you know, basically the stage is set for you. And if you lose, you're fighting for survival. I, I think that adds so much excitement to it because if, if we didn't have that week one and all of these teams were undefeated like they normally would be going into this game, yeah, it would still be a hyped week, but I don't know that it would carry anything like like this week will carry because you know you're talking about teams making or missing the playoffs based off of this alone. Yeah. All right, guys, you guys ready to make your NCAA picks? Yeah. All right. Just give people a rundown. So far for NCAA, um, Tyler and Darnell, they're both tied, uh, for three. I'm getting three out of their four picks right. And I'm last with two out of four. So <laughs> last. We'll see. You, you could have said second place. <laughs> well, I'm, hey, I'm last, man. So <laughs> call it how it is. Exactly, man. So. First game we're going to uh, pick, Notre Dame versus MSU. Uh, real quick, Notre Dame has a 7.5 lead for the spread. Ooh, that seems a little big to me. But it's Vegas, man. That's true. That's true. I guess I'll go ahead and start the pick here. I'm, I'm going to pick Notre Dame. Uh, being at home, I think that gives them a clear advantage here. Uh, I, I think... You know, figuring out their quarterback situation was very important. Uh, now there's no question as to, you know, are the receivers, you know, not used to both quarterbacks yet? You know, now basically there's no excuse offensively for Notre Dame. Uh, secondly, being at home, I think that gives their defense a little bit of an edge. Uh, Michigan State's offense still needs to kind of find themselves, improve themselves. Uh, but I think that home crowd is just going to give Notre Dame the energy. Notre Dame, this is a must win for them. Uh, and I think they're going to come up and win the game 
by a score of, and, and I don't think it's going to be super high scoring. I think Michigan State's defense is going to be going to be better than they were uh, than week one. So I, I'm going to go Notre Dame twenty seven to seventeen. All right. Uh, I I find this like this is a interesting matchup for me just because. Like I said, with Notre Dame secondary being close to depleted now, uh, there's a big chance for Tyler O'Connor and uh, State's young receiving core to break out and do something. Uh, I think it's, it's going to come down to them making some big plays. Uh, and then on the defensive side, uh, Deshaun Kaiser has submitted himself as the starter. So, uh a lot of people have said state secondary should be getting back to the days of the no fly zone. So on that side is, it's their chance to shine. Uh, I'm not sure if Notre Dame wins this by eight, uh, but due to them being at home and I'm still not sure how much they really could clean up in that week off uh, with all the penalties and just not getting a good pass rush going with the uh, front four. Uh, I know there'll be a lot. There'll be a lot more blitzes dialed up than they did against Furman. Uh, but I do think it's a close game. But I got. I uh, hate to say it. I hope I'm wrong. But I got Notre Dame like twenty four twenty one. All right. I'm gonna go with Dame on this one. Um, it's gonna be a good game to watch. I'm really gonna be looking at Tyler O'Connor. See how he's gonna do against you know Darnell. You just brought it up against that secondary of uh, Notre Dame. Had guys get in trouble, get suspended, uh, and definitely. So you know this is gonna be opportunity for Tyler O'Connor to shine. So hopefully you know he's been mm-hmm. putting in the work in practice. If they can, if he can pull off winning this game, this would be great confidence for him going forward into this early season. So um, you know this is gonna be his time to show up for sure. But I just think Notre Dame. You know, they still got uh, some learning to do, you know, the whole quarterback situation, everything that they have, they're at home. I think they're going to find a way to pull it off. Um, I do have Notre Dame, though. I have them winning 24 to 13. You know, I, I will say, though, if I think if Michigan State wants to win the game, yes, they're going to need a, a, a good game from Tyler O'Connor. They're going to need a good game from the receivers. But I think they'll need more than a good game from L.J. Scott. Uh, he's going to have to open up that passing game. Uh, he's yeah, going to have yeah. to have his way basically on the ground or through, you know, the quick pass uh, that he's proven he can do. Uh, but I think he's going to have to be the key to the passing game for Michigan State. Play action will be a big thing. I agree. I agree. For sure. Now, up next, we're going to talk about FSU versus Louisville. Who do you guys got? And real quick, um, Florida, Florida State, they have a two-point uh, lead in the spread. I think that's more than necessary for Florida State. I do have them winning. I think they probably got all the confidence in the world after that comeback against Ole Miss. Uh, and after that, Really country halftime speech from Jameis Winston. <laughs> uh, did y'all hear that? Yeah. Did y'all, 
I didn't get a chance. I'm going to check it out after the show. Anybody that's listening to this, if you haven't heard it, Google it. Like, oh, boy, uh, if if he wasn't playing football, Jameis Winston would be a Southern preacher in a Baptist church. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I'm going to go with Florida State here. I think Francois has shown he's he's already showing that he's going to be an elite quarterback. And uh, Cook. I think this is going to be his chance to break out and have a a really good game too. Uh, Louisville is they're going to put up a back of a fight. They're a good team as well. Uh, Jackson, their quarterback, is also very solid. He's been putting up some good numbers. But uh, I'm going to take Florida State. I think it's going to be a higher scoring game, so I'm going to take them 41-38. Mm. Uh, yeah, you want to go, Trey? Okay, I'll go. Uh, this one I have upset alert. I'm going with Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like Louisville's quarterback, Jackson. Uh, little stats, you know, Francois, uh, he's completed 58 passes for 681 yards, five touchdown downs. Jackson, he's completed 37 passes uh, for 697 yards and seven touchdowns. I think he has a great arm on him, but I also think with his legs, I think he's going to cause problems for that Florida State defense uh, with his legs as well. So I just think that, you know, this is going to be the time for him to show up and really show the country uh, that he's truly going to be an Eisman candidate. I think he's going to step up. He's going to pass the ball pretty well. He's going to keep the defense on their toes uh, by running out of the pocket, uh, creating plays with his feet as well. So I think Jackson's going to be able to help Louisville pull it off for him. Trey. Yeah. Then you have Florida State in your final four? No. No? Oh, okay. I had uh, Clemson. He gave Clemson? Yeah. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought you had Florida State. All right. I mean, yeah. Just it's before. crazy as football, Ben, this, this so far this year, man. You could change it up, man. But <laughs> it's true. It's been, it's been yeah. crazy upsets and stuff. True. But, yeah. Did you did you give a score, Trey? Oh no, not yet. Uh, I do agree with uh, Darnell. This is going to be a high scoring game, so I think that um, Louisville will pull it off, thirty eight to thirty five. Yeah, I think that's the one thing we all can easily agree on that uh, this game's definitely going to be. A afternoon matinee high-scoring affair. Uh, I think that this game just has all the offense you could want. Um, I think the only way we get a better offensive game is if we get Louisville and Houston playing. Uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I'm gonna go. A part of me wants to pick Louisville because they're at home. Uh, I know in college football, a home crowd can do a lot for a team. But I also know that Florida State probably just has more playmakers. Um, granted, out of Louisville, great great quarterback through two weeks, but very mediocre opponents in Charlotte. But, uh, you know, I, I think Florida State's going to do their homework on him. They're going to know some tendencies that he has when he likes to run the ball, so they'll know when to stay home, and they'll know when to pursue him. So I think that just Florida State having more playmakers on the field, um, I, I think the Seminoles are going to come out to be high scoring. 
Uh, I'm actually going to go with the same score Trayon had, just have the other team winning it. So I'm going to go with the Seminoles, 38-35. All right. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's a last-second field goal, too. Definitely. This game has a potential for it, man. It's going to be a good uh, it, It's going to be whoever has the ball last. Put you down real quick, Tyler. Uh, one second. And up next we have Bama versus Ole Miss. Um, Alabama they have an eleven point lead for the spread. Yeah, I got, I got Bama putting the curb stomp on Ole Miss. <laughs> uh, I think they're going to be coming in angry because of last year. Uh, I, I just think. They're going to be out for Chad Kelly's head uh, because of how he clowned on them last year and especially all the talk they had after. So uh, I think I think they come in laser-focused. Uh, Satan is probably going to be working crazy all week, getting them ready for this one. Uh, I'm, I'm taking Alabama, like I said, by boat race, probably something like 38 to 10. All right. That that point total difference is a little too much for me, just because it's SEC football. But I'm also going to go with the Tide. Um, just had it. As much as they will say it's not a revenge game, they all know what happened last year, and they don't want it to happen again. So I'm going to go ahead and call it a revenge game for Nick Saban and the Tide. But I have them winning by a score of thirty-one to twenty-one. All right, I do have Alabama winning this game. I think we're going to see uh, Swag Kelly for about a good first quarter, and then uh, we're going to see Bad Kelly for the rest of the game. I think Alabama, <laughs> I think Alabama, and uh, you know Saban and uh, Lane Kiffin are going to have those guys ready. They're going to put some points on the board. Um, so I have Alabama winning thirty-five to. 18. You know, the the thing I think I agree with you there, Trey, is the fact that we're going to see good Chad Kelly for about a quarter, maybe a quarter and a half. Uh, then that Alabama defense is going to really lock in. I think that home crowd is just going to have him pumped until Alabama starts having their way. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. You know, I just... I know, man, we're going to see the good Kelly and the bad Kelly, man. I just think, you know, they're going to come out and everything, and then Saban's going to cuss his guys out and get them ready, so. <laughs> Got to cuss them out to do it. Because hey, they can't do it themselves. Hey, you know it, man. You saw it. He maybe, was maybe, it's the, hey, maybe it's the method to the madness. Who knows? <laughs> saw how much he was yelling when he was up 28. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, up next, we have Oklahoma versus Ohio State. And let me check. Ohio State, they have a one-and-a-half point lead for the spread. Which is also interesting because they're on the road. Yeah. It's in Norman, Norman, Oklahoma. So I'll go ahead and go first on this one. Um, I think Ohio State's good. I think JT Barrett's really good. Uh, we, we see a lot of players for Ohio State starting to step up a little bit, and I think here's where they're going to start making a name for themselves. Uh, they just have nice, young, raw talent right now that's still developing, and uh, 
I think we're going to see Ohio State win this one. I think it's going to be a sluggish start from Ohio State. Uh, I also think we're going to see a bit of a sluggish start from Oklahoma, but I think that's just because both defenses are going to be a little extra aggressive and the offenses will need some time to adjust into the game. Uh, I, I think we'll see a mid-scoring game, you know, not too high, not too low, just a really solid football game. Uh, but I'm going to go with Ohio State 32 to 28. All right. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think this game might start a little slow just because we might have like that feeling I out period like you have in a, in a boxing match or something like that. But, uh, I think both teams will start putting the, the pressure on once they start finding some weaknesses in each other's defense. Uh, I think they'll hang with each other pretty well, but I have Ohio State taking it like 38, 31, something like that. All right, 38-31. Okay. Um, I do have Ohio State winning this one as well. Um, I have them uh, winning what's that? It was 28-20 um, on the road. I think uh, Oklahoma, they're going to start out playing pretty good, and I think they're going to uh, start to stall out a little bit like they did against uh, Houston. So uh just think that Ohio State's going to start to get to them. So. I think they're going to be able to pull it off. Uh, all right, got that down. All right, so guys, anything uh, left to say uh, that you'd like to add for the uh, NCAA uh, football segment before we move on? Just another good week. Yeah, really excited for this week, man. It's gonna, it's got some great games on. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, up next, we're going to go into the NFL. Uh, just what are you guys' thoughts on the first week of the season? That was fun. I mean, I don't think we had anything too too crazy happen. Uh, like, just good to have pro football back as well. Good games were played, a lot of close games, so that, that was good to see. Uh, I mean, interesting how many new starters and rookies won games. I guess that that was probably my biggest uh, yeah, take yeah. from it. Yeah, uh, I would definitely agree. We saw a lot of young talent, uh, a lot of rookies make a splash week one. You know, we saw Jimmy Garoppolo go into Arizona and get a really big win for the Patriots, uh, which we all thought was not going to happen. We saw Carson Wentz look pretty good week one. Uh, when it looked like about a week and a half ago, he wouldn't even be the starter because Sam Bradford. And then he yeah. got traded, and now Wentz is the starter, and he goes out and throws for over 300 yards and a couple touchdowns. I don't think Philly could have asked for anything better than that. And then, you know, we we just saw some good play from around the league. I mean, we saw another rookie, Will Fuller, down in Houston, have a pretty nice week. Uh Caught for over 100 yards and a touchdown. You know, we saw A.J. Green explode on Darrell Revis. Uh, you know, we saw Antonio Brown be Antonio Brown. So we, we had a lot of good things come out of week one of the NFL. Uh, just, you know, teams, some teams we thought were going to be good looked good. Some that we thought were going to be good didn't look that good. And teams we know were bad still look bad. So <laughs> it's, it's the NFL and glad it's back. It's, you know, good afternoon viewing while I lay down on the couch on Sunday afternoons. 
you have anything else to add, Darnell? No. Okay. Uh, now, what is your uh, what was your guys' favorite game uh, to check out last week? I think mine was Oakland and New Orleans. Ooh, yeah, that that's a tough one to beat. That's a tough one to beat. I mean, it just seemed like every time you blinked, a touchdown was happening. Yeah. And then, of course, the last, the drama with Oakland going for two to win at the end, that was, what, what can you ask for? Yeah, I, I think that was just some week one theatrics. You know, Jack Del Rio just being the man on the road saying, we're going to go for the win. Like, I, I just love it. Uh, you, you can't beat that. And then it was a heck of a catch by uh, Michael Crabtree. You mm-hmm. know, just jump up and get it and secure the ball. So, I mean, that that was that was a heck of a game. Uh, even though there was no defense, I think uh, Detroit and Indianapolis was enjoyable. You know, last second field goal. Uh, that's, you know, always fun to watch an exciting game come to the end like that. Um, I even got a lot of enjoyment out of the uh, Arizona-New England game, even though uh, there was, you know, no Tom Brady, no Gronk, but uh, it was really a great fight by New England. But I still think we saw a ton of promise out of Arizona as well. David Johnson looked really good. Larry Fitzgerald looks timeless. Um, Just I think Arizona is still going to have a really good season. they just didn't happen to pull out the win week one. Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll be fine. I mean, they they should have won that game, but mm-hmm. bad snap and bad hold, and the kick goes off. Yeah. Those are the breaks. Yeah, the uh, Panthers and Denver game that was a uh, pretty good one too. Uh, just, yeah. just Cam Newton, man, that yeah. guy was taking some licks for sure. I was, I was looking at a stat uh, today that I found. I think he leads the NFL in total hits since 2011. I think he's I had it. yeah 830 hits uh, since 2011. So, but he's drawn the least roughing the passing passer penalties. Yeah, it's like it's crazy, man. But you know, it's. You know, shout out to the guy. Like I said, that was a uh, great game to watch. You know, I thought the Panthers, they were going to come up in there, you know, charge up, losing in the Super Bowl like that. I thought they were going to come up in there and just pound uh, Denver since they had a new quarterback and everything. But Denver, they stuck with it and they pulled it off. So, yeah, they let Trevor Simeon make me eat my words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, like we said, it was kind of the week for. First time starting quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah. You know, Garoppolo looked better than I thought he did, especially early. Simeon looked better the entire game than I thought he would. And I, I don't think any of us really had anything poor to say really toward Carson Wentz. We just didn't think he'd throw 302 touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just the guys are ready to play. Now, how did you guys feel about your respective teams overall? The Lions needed defense bad. I mean, granted, Andrew Luck is Andrew Luck, just a big arm, really good NFL quarterback, goes through his progression really well, always seems to make the smart throw, the good throw. Um, But the, the Lions need some defensive help. Granted, it was week one, um, but I I still don't think they should have let up as much as they did. 
uh, despite it being Andrew Luck. I, I just don't think you should give up four touchdowns at any time. But in seeing that, I think the offense looked really good. Uh, the game that was not there at all last year looked really good. They were able both had great games, both had a touchdown. Both caught the ball out of the backfield and did everything an NFL running back needs to do. They both blocked well. Um, the offensive line protects Stafford. Uh, that was something I enjoyed seeing for Trumping and Decker play well. Um, you know, and just being able to give Stafford time, go through the progression under Jim Bob Cooter's offense, uh, has proven to be something that it looks like Stafford can thrive in. Uh, I believe he found eight different receivers in the game, which was really nice to see Eric Ebron being one of them for a touchdown. Uh, someone who struggled with drops, you know, being able to see him really secure the ball was really comforting because it's nice to have a tight end that you can trust to get the ball. A lot of the good teams in the NFL right now have a really good tight end. If you look at Greg Olson, Carolina, you look at uh, Gronk in New England, you know, the, the, those are just teams that always win and they have good tight ends. So it's it was nice to see Ebron do that. And then Tate, Golden Tate, caught all seven of his targets. Uh, that's always nice to see from your presumptive number one receiver. Uh, granted, he's not going to be the big play guy. That's going to be Marvin Jones, who also had four catches for about 85 yards. Uh, so it was nice to see that. But I, I just think overall Stafford looked good. He didn't have tunnel vision. He was able to see all of his receivers and get the ball. I think he looked maybe he's found something about who that he's really comfortable with, but I think we can look for a pretty good year for the Lions offensively. And as far as my squad, I thought the Cowboys looked okay. Uh, they didn't show anything great. Uh, definitely could see now it's the regular season versus the preseason. Uh, Dak Prescott was okay. I don't like him throwing 45 times as a rookie. I yeah. think that's way too much. Uh, <clears throat> I think they have to. I mean, it's a good experience for him, though, man. This is, you know, yeah, know but... with the Romo injuries and stuff, you know, get him some, you know, reps. Well, but, you know, I do understand where you're coming from, though. He's got six weeks of experience at least to get. <laughs> so, I mean, you don't need to get it all in one game. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they they lost by one point. If you're in a one-point game, I don't know how you have to have a quarterback throw 45 times when you have what's consensus a top three offensive line. Uh, They didn't play like it. They didn't play like it, but they do. Uh, There were some growing pains for Ezekiel Elliott. He had yeah, he got all his touches. He got 20 carries, but only had 50 yards. Uh, I think there's just some of that transition that those holes closed. He's not running through tunnels anymore. It's it's a little crease, and you got to get to it and and go. Yeah. Uh, but I think that'll come. He did get in the end zone. That was good. Uh, there was a would be connection between Prescott and Des Bryant, but it got called back. Uh, you know, the NFL still is trying to figure out what's a catch and what's not. Uh, but so that got called back. Uh, but he bought a different receiver save through too. So, uh, he, he's not just singling in on one person. Uh, in the future, I think him and Des need to connect a little more. Officially, they only have one, one reception 
uh, for eight yards to Des Bryant, which oh, if you yeah. have if you have that weapon, he has to he has to have more than one catch. Yeah. So you know my thing. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, not a bad game. They they had a chance to win it, but Terrence Williams for some reason didn't know he needed to go out of bounds. Uh, yeah. And the Lions almost suffered from that as well. And yeah. Jones, I get that amount, so. Yeah, so, I mean, growing pains all around. Uh, you hate to lose a division game, uh, like they did to the Giants, but, uh, it's, it's one of those at quarterback and running back two out of the year. Yeah. Three, uh, star offensive positions. You got Ricky starting, so, uh, yeah. I was fine with it. Yeah, overall for me, uh, my Baltimore Ravens, I think they played pretty good. I still think they could have done a little bit better. Um, they did hold Tyrod Taylor to 111 yards passing and McCoy to 58 yards rushing. Uh, so defensively, they did pretty good. They only allowed them to get one time. But offensively, uh, my man Flacco, he threw 23 out of 34, uh, for the attempts and 258 yards and one touchdown. That's pretty good, but one thing that I was kind of disappointed in, I know my man Forsett is coming off an injury this year, so I don't know if they want to still ease him back into the game. Uh, with an injury like that, sometimes, you know, it's, you can be healed, but sometimes it's about confidence. So he was uh, they only gave him 10 rushes for 41 yards. Uh, so I would like to see him, uh, as I said it before, my man Flacco can be inconsistent sometimes. So he can have a good game, and next week, you know, he can have a terrible game. So situations like that you got to have a guy that's willing to get the ball run and take some pounding for the team and Forsetti has done that uh you know when he's healthy so this would like to see that but overall I mean they end up getting a W so I can't really complain that much but still would like to see a little bit more from uh, the Baltimore Ravens yeah. and but Trey you have to be somewhat encouraged by the fact that week one Flacco finds Mike Wallace for a huge bomb down the field and a touchdown yeah. Like that has to be somewhat encouraging because that that's something they haven't had in the last couple of years is that really serious deep ball threat with the monster arm that Flacco has. Like they yeah. need to utilize that, and I think Mike Wallace is the guy to do that. Yeah, so that was definitely good to see. So you know they you know add a deep ball threat. You know a guy beast like Mike Wallace, he can help that team so much um, offensively. So you know that was a great mm-hmm. uh, ad for him uh, him to come. And you know hopefully you know we'll see more of that throughout the season. So Mike Wallace, you know, he's a good, good, great wide receiver. He can help uh, Flacco with some of his inconsistent CSU. So just have to see. Time will tell. Yeah. Now, we got a big game. This is a game that I'm looking forward this week out of the uh, NFL. Uh, Cincy versus Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Will things get chippy in this game, guys? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I I think just based off of the the playoff game last year, uh, where you know, perfect, you know, had that huge late hit targeting whatever on Antonio Brown, like literally laid him out. Um, I I think that just the fact that it's it's just hard-nosed football. Both teams play tough. Both teams pride themselves on playing tough. I think it's going to be chippy, but I don't think it's going to be out of hand. Okay. Um, I think we're I think we're going to see some shoving and pushing. You know, the refs are calling a very tight one. 
Uh, I think we're going to see some, you know, some shoving, some jawing, but I don't, I don't know that we're going to see anything that is going to warrant a suspension or even a fine. Okay. Um, I, I just think that it's going to be controlled. Both coaches know that the players can't do anything or there will be a flag. Um, where you, sometimes you might let players be a little more free. You know, the coaches are going to preach a message of a clean game to the best that they can be. Yeah, I agree. I don't think the refs are going to let it get too crazy. I mean, it's going to be a tough, hard-hitting football game. They'll play hard. There might be a couple questionable hits, but I think the refs will pretty quickly. But, but but I still think it's going to be chippy out there, though. And I think we're going to see it. I think there will be flags. Yeah, but... I expect, you know, I expect some flags to be thrown um, early into the game. You know, guys are going to be drawn off and everything like that. So uh, I think the refs already been warned about this game. I just think that they're really going to be um, just on their heels, um, you know, ready to just throw a flag, make sure that nothing gets, like, out of hand like it did last year. So just have mm-hmm. to see. Hey guys, have anything else to add to this game? Looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, two two big time wide receivers. Alrighty, uh, you guys ready to make your NFL picks? Yeah, we hopefully were hor- we do better this yeah, week. Yeah, we were horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, uh, you know he's he's in first place overall. He only got one out of three last week. Yeah, um, <laughs> the Lions out of all the teams. <laughs> uh, you know, me and Darnell, we both are, uh, 0 and 3 for our NFL picks. Uh, Darnell, he's in second for, with 3 out of 7 overall, and I'm in last with 2 out of 7 overall. So, gonna have to step my game up, man, for sure. Uh, but first things first, you guys know the deal, man. We gotta talk about the home team. So, uh, we're gonna talk about the Lions first. They will be playing, uh, Tennessee. The Tennessee Titans yep. at home. Tennessee Titans at home. Detroit Lions, they have a six-point lead for the spread. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and start it. I'm going to take the Lions and to cover the spread as well. Um, I think one player they're going to need to make sure doesn't get the better end of them is going to be Delaney Walker. A really good tight end, and uh, Mariota likes to find him. Uh, Considering they gave up two touchdowns to tight ends last week, I think that's someone they're really going to have to look after if he doesn't get away from them because big game. Uh, he's really good after the catch as well, so I think they're going to have to key in on him and just make sure he doesn't burn them uh, like he has the potential of doing. But uh, once again, I think we're going to see consistent Stafford. I think we're going to see 300 plus yards and a, at least three touchdowns again out of him. So I think I'm going to pick. Obviously, I'm going to pick the Lions. Uh, I'm going to pick them to cover the spread. Um, I'm going to pick the Lions to win 35 to 28. All right. I'm actually going with Detroit on this one, too. I just I don't think Tennessee has enough offensively yet to be able to deal with a team that can put up points, even though they can allow some points as well. Uh, I just don't think I don't think Tennessee has the offense to to hurt them bad enough. So 
Yeah, I think Stafford has a comfortable game. Uh, maybe you can get some more work to Dugula to see if you can get him more acclimated to being that feature back. Uh, but yeah, I have Detroit winning this 24-17. All right, I do have Detroit as well. Uh, I think this would be a good time for Stafford to get some uh, – Boost up his stats a little bit. I'm not really feeling this uh, Titans team this year. I think still think they got a lot of uh, just rebuilding to do. Get some a uh, little bit more players to help uh, Mariota out on offense, on the offense. And I think this defense. I think they still just need some uh, help just overall, uh, many positions. So I think this would be a good time for Detroit to just uh, pull it through and win. Um, I do think they're going to have their classic Lions moments, uh, but I do have them <laughs> covering uh, the spread. I have them winning 27 to 20. And up next, we have Atlanta versus Oakland. Oakland has a four and a half point lead for the spread. Yeah, I'm I'm going with the favorite again here. Uh, I think I think Oakland takes this one. I just not feeling Atlanta. And over the last year and a half, they seem to have gone from perennial like NFC like dark horse to almost favorites to get to like an NFC championship game to a not very good team. Uh, Song just fall off a cliff last year, and then you got back up uh, last game. I think they have a little bit of a running back controversy going on now in Atlanta. Uh, Devontae Freeman was was their staple last year, and now Tevin Coleman showed some flashes of what they drafted him for last year. Uh, I think. Oakland has gelled very quickly. Their offense is looking very good. Uh, I, I just think they're a little too much for Atlanta to deal with right now. So I'm going to take Oakland 28-24. Uh, yeah, I agree with, with Darnell. I think uh, Oakland's going to win the game being at home. Uh, Great win last week for them, and I think that gave them just all the confidence in the world. Uh, shows they've really bought into Jack Del Rio. They trust him. So I think that Oakland's just kind of off on the starting off on the right note and are going to continue to do that. Uh, just, you know, weapons all around Latavius Murray, uh, Michael Crabtree, Mari Cooper. Derek Carr, I mean, just just solid players all around. You can give the ball to on every play. Uh, on the other side of the ball, we'll have, you know, Atlanta, who also is really good players. They picked him up new in the offseason. He's been a nice second option. Well, he showed he was a nice second option week one. Uh, Julio Jones, if you mentioned Coleman, just players you can give it to on every play. Um, but I think that just in the end, the home team always has the advantage. I think this one's going to be close. Uh, I think Oakland's defense has more potential to come up with a couple big stops. So I'm going to pick them as well in a close one. I'm going to pick them to win 27 to 21. All right. 
going to go with Oakland as well. I just feel like Atlanta, you know, they're, they could be a good team and they could be a bad team. They're just dealing with inconsistency, uh, uh, for the, just with, for the talent that they have. Uh, I do like Ryan, um, and Julio Jones, uh, especially Alabama guy, but you know, Amari Cooper, he's on the rise too. He's going to be doing great things with Carr. So I just think, uh, with the offense that Oakland has, I think they're going to be able to put some points up against, um, Atlanta. And I just, I'm really expecting a big game from Cooper. I think he's going to have a great game against, uh, Atlanta on here to help score for Oakland. So I do have Oakland winning this one. Like I said, I have them winning 28 to 20. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you guys, I trust Atlanta way more in a dome than I do outdoors. <laughs> it, it's, it's just the way it is with me. Yeah. It seems the teams that play in domes tend to be more comfortable in domes. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, now, up next, we have Philly versus Chicago. Who do you guys have for this one? Uh, Chicago, they have a three-point lead for the spread. I'm going to take the underdogs here. I'm going to go with Carson Wentz and Philly. Uh, uh, nice win week one for them. Granted, it was uh, against that uh, Cleveland Browns team that everybody seems to beat. But, <laughs> but hey, I mean, it, I think it was a great game for Carson Wentz to get acclimated to the NFL, uh, to get used to calling an NFL game. I think he couldn't have asked for a better week one. Everything just kind of fell into place for him. But uh, one reason I'm going to pick Philly is because it's, it's the Jake Cutler effect. You're either have the guy that's going to throw four touchdowns to Alshon Jeffrey, or you're going to get the guy that throws four picks that aren't even close. Um, you know, granted, there are some weeks I really like. I, I really like Jake Cutler some weeks, but uh, I think Monday Night Football, uh, just bright lights, big stage. Uh, I'm actually going to take, you know, kind of the naive rookie quarterback that's not still sure what's happening, isn't really sure how big of a stage it is, but goes out and performs anyway. So I'm I'm going to take Philly to win this one close, uh, but I'm going to pick them to win it 24-21. I'm actually going to go with the Bears here. Uh, I think they make up for their loss last week and give one. Um, I'm going with them for the opposite of what you're saying, Ty, I think. A okay. big Monday night game. I think it gets to the rookie, uh, especially against a, a decent defense that might be able to get after him a little more. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I'm going to go with Chicago here. Uh, I'm, I'm not looking for a terribly high-scoring game, so I think it's going to be something like 20 to 17. All right. I'm going with Chicago as well. Um, the reason why, you know, you kind of brought it up, you know, what Jay Cutler are we going to get Ty? I think Jay Cutler is going to step it up uh, for Monday Night Football game. Uh, Carson Wentz, uh, he did have a pretty good uh, game last week, but I uh, just think, you know, with the whole Monday Night Football game, the bright lights, I think that's going to get to him as well. Uh, it's going to be a lot for a rookie to do, man, just coming in to his uh, second professional game uh, of his career. So just think uh, Jay Cutler is going to connect with uh, Jeffrey to help get that offense going. Um, that defense, I think, is uh, Chicago's defense. I think they're going to try to put pressure on Wentz with a couple of bliss packages um, mm-hmm. and whatnot. 
Uh, you know, just with him, uh, I think he's, like I said, I think he's going to be nervous coming into this game. So I just think that uh, Chicago's going to be able to pull it off. I do have this being a close game, though. I have Chicago winning 23-17. to uh, And last but not least, we got Cincy versus Pitt. Um, I'm rolling with what I think is the best offense in the NFL. I'm going with the Steelers here. Uh, since he is shown to be a tough team, they do play Pittsburgh tough, but I just, I mean, I know it's just one game, but looking at them work just off of one game, I just, I don't know what team has something to completely stop this offense. Uh, I just, I don't think it's Cincinnati if it's anybody, so. Uh, I got Cincy taking this. Uh, I think it, Steelers are favored by four, aren't they? Oh, I didn't read it. Oh, hold on. I was reading the uh, thing. Let me check. Uh, where are they? My goodness. Okay. Uh, Pittsburgh, they're favored by three. Three. Okay. So, but yeah, I'm I'm rolling with the Steelers here. Uh, I'm going to go 31-21. Yeah, I agree. I think Pittsburgh, if they don't have the best offense, they have the second best offense. So they're, they're right there. You'd have to make a strong case for somebody else. But uh, I think Antonio Brown's just too much. Uh, they, you know, flashed two real solid young wide receivers in Eli Rogers and Sammy Coates. Um, I think that's just more weapons to choose from for Ben Roethlisberger, and he already has proven all he needs is one. So, I mean, Marcus Wheaton should most likely be back this week. That's another deep ball threat for Big Ben. So, I mean, the idea of giving a guy that only needs one good weapon to give him four is think that Cincinnati's still going to score their points. I think A.J. Green's once again going to have another nice week. But I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. I'm going to take Pittsburgh to cover the spread. Um, I think they're going to just kind of wear down that Cincinnati defense. Uh, I think the Pittsburgh defense is going to be off the field for their fair share of time. So they'll be able to rest up, get a game plan together in between drives and really, really attack this Cincinnati offense. So I'm going to go with Pittsburgh to win the game. Let's go 28 to 20. All right, I have Cincinnati uh, winning this game. Uh, this is the reason why, you know, I said both of these guys are going to be chippy uh, just during the game. But I just think uh, Cincinnati, they're going to have a huge chip on their shoulder losing in the playoffs like they did last year. Uh, I think a lot of their players, you know, feels that they got screwed over with the penalties and whatnot. I think they're going to be coming in this uh, game ready to hit hard and get to the uh, Roethlisberger. Uh, even though, don't get me wrong, you know, one of the best offenses in the uh, NFL, I just think that they're just going to be a game that Cincinnati's just going to have their way with them uh, enough to pull off the uh, game. So, especially with Dalton, uh, they didn't have them uh, last year in the playoffs. Uh, they had my uh, man uh, playing, uh, coming off a backup plan for them. So, I'm looking for Dalton and A.J. Green to have uh, to connect a lot in the game and have some good stats for them. Um, as well, but just think, like I said, you know, just Cincinnati, these guys just having a chip on their shoulder and going to have something to prove against these guys and ready to hit 
ready to hit them hard and get to Ben Roethlisberger as much as they can. So I do have this being a close game. I do have Cincinnati pulling this off winning. I have them winning 28-21, to 21, and I think they're going to be able to pull it off the last drive of the game. So I think it's going to be a good one. Now, do you guys have anything else to add, um, whether it's NFL, NCAA football, or what? Uh, more close. Nah, I think I'm good. We covered it. All right. <laughs> good way to say it. Uh, as always, guys, thank you all for listening to the show. Um, you can check us out uh, through SoundCloud, um, iTunes, Stitcher. Like I said, like I say every week, just search views, whatever search engine you have, and we should pop up. Don't kill the messages podcast. Uh, you can also check us out on Twitter at DKM underscore cast. And that's it. You know, as always, appreciate you guys for tuning into the show.